Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. Welcome to Lockbox, a podcast providing real estate professionals with action items for success. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I'm going to be your host. I'm the founder of two real estate marketing and tech companies, Steezy.Digital and RealNurture.io. In this podcast, you'll learn from top 1% real estate and mortgage brokers the exact secrets to their success. Welcome to Lockbox. Welcome to Lockbox. My name is Jeffrey Broger, and I am here today with Nikki Field. Nikki, thanks for being with us. Good afternoon, Jeffrey, and good afternoon, everyone out there listening to Jeffrey. So why don't you start off by telling our listeners who you are and where you're from? Nikki Field, New York, New York, Sotheby's International Realty, Senior Global Real Estate Advisor. Love it. And, you know, you have a successful team in New York today. We were just talking 26 agents and, you know, we'll get into everything that you're doing today in real estate. But I'm very curious, what got you into real estate in the beginning? What was that first story? Not that unusual for many people of my age. It was a second act career. After spending numerous years in marketing here in New York, my husband has a marketing agency. I took a couple of years off to raise our, our daughters. That was pretty boring. Only took a couple of years to realize I really needed to re-engage. And like right. so many other people in, initially, the other generation in this industry, we all begin thinking it's going to be a part-time job. Show some apartments, have some lunches with friends, uh, sell some beautiful homes, and um, go off and make dinner for our husbands. Well, that's definitely not what it was or what it is today. Full-time, 24-7 career that is, as a matter of fact, creeps into my dreams on a regular basis. <laughs> yes. Wow. What what a clear depiction that is so true. I mean, we're attracted to it by the income, you know, the realtor driving the nice car and, oh, this seems like you could, you know, make a couple of nice commission checks a year and just hang out. And then you realize, my goodness, there's so much to this and you end up actually working way more than you thought initially going into it. But it can also and be then, super rewarding. And then you're steaming along as so many people out there have been and something hits you like COVID and crashes and burns around you. So, right. so in our career, anyone who's been here for a while knows you have to continue to pivot, continue to reassess, continue to uh, reevaluate what is going to be moving this market forward. Yep. Couldn't agree more. And would love to learn some of the things that you and your team are doing to set yourself up for future success. 
Okay, well, we just want to meet what we've done before. Uh, we've been plowing along. This past year, 2022 was a record for us, 564 million in sales. We're truly surprised by that because 2020 was not nearly as productive. But the wonderful thing for us, uh, Jeffrey, and those of you who know New York, is that we had a stunningly quick rebound, far faster than any of the analysts had anticipated. And what had started in 2020 with great fear and anxiety as everyone was fleeing New York has turned around to a thunderous embracement of all things urban, Manhattan, New York in particular. So the velocity of home sales, the velocity of new people moving into the city for jobs and opportunities is far outpacing pre-COVID environment. So we're thrilled. We love our city, uh, even on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> yes, and we talked about how crazy Manhattan and New York in general is during St. Patrick's Day, uh, right, right before we hit record here. Today is St. Patty's in 2022. That's why I'm wearing my green. And... Uh, Nikki was saying she's going to be staying in the office and doing the podcast today because the streets are crazy. This yeah, is the day so, not to be showing real estate. The only one of 365 <laughs> that we go into the bunkers. Right. <laughs> well, a great day to have a podcast then. So you mentioned the, the transaction volume of around 560 million in 2021 and that there's this new embracement of the New York urban real estate scene. And I'm curious what advice you would give to a broker out there who's doing one or 200 million and maybe they even have a similar market. They're, they're more of an urban market and they would love to get to three, four, 500 million, right? What advice would you give them? And then also what advice should they ignore? Oh, oh, you're very good. I'm going to go with what's been proven for me, which is specialization. And that's why I have a team. Uh, every time there's a new segment of the market, we need a new specialist. Many times I've spoken about this, about what's the best way to get up and running in the business. And old school, we were all generalists. You could sell and, um, and transact anything that came across your desk. But that's not true any longer. I mean, there are deep resources, deeply experienced people in all segments of all markets now. And in order to compete with them, you have to be better, smarter, out faster, and specialize in that, that arena and that area. Uh, when, we are, when we are in a beauty contest uh, and a seller comes to us as, as they're meeting with some of our competitors, uh, generally what resonates with them is the partner that I bring to the presentation that specializes in their exact segment, their location, their price point, their water views, their penthouses, their entry-level purchase. If we have somebody that's deep in that market, knows it through and through, then we know where the bodies are, you know, the buyers and the brokers alike, we get the job done. And we generally, and almost always, are far better at pricing it correctly and strategically marketing it. Hmm. Which so specialization are... is, is my advice to everyone out there. I currently am a, a global portfolio advisor. I've evolved through all the specialties. I started as a, a medical special, medical office specialist. Sold hmm. my first one at $135,000. And I like to tell everyone, uh, it was a freebie that was sent to me because no one in my office would take it. So I met this doctor who had 
big part of his financial portfolio was this office worth all of $135,000. The truth was, I had never sold a medical office before. The only medical office I'd ever been in was my gynecologist. I was not a specialist, but I took it. I sold it for $150,000. And then I went to my manager owner and said, I am officially your medical office specialist, which didn't really resonate with him at the time. I had (laughs) one sale under my belt, but um, I was a little bit persuasive and a lot cocky. And he said, "Uh, this is back in the day when the only way you sold was by putting tombstone ads in the New York Times on Sunday. I said, okay, I'm going to give you two of these uh, this month. If you don't have another one listed, you're no longer my specialist. (laughs) We did a tombstone ad, Nikki Field, medical office specialist, ran it, picked up two more, ended up selling nine. I was then a specialist. I knew how to sell medical offices. I knew where the buyers were. I knew exactly how to market it. And then that segued into the next specialty. But become a specialist and um, you become in demand. I really feel strongly once you decided your specials, even if it's temporary, herald it, market it, publicize it, and they will come. I'll tell you what, Nikki, that is a very astute point. And I want to ask if I could tell you a story. I would love for you to tell me a story, Jeff. Awesome. So five years ago, I had this dream to be able to own a company that I could manage from anywhere in the world. I loved real estate. I already had, you know, a real estate investment property that was rented out and I had, you know, read Rich Dad, Poor Dad and all the things. And I, you know, I'd kind of been in the real estate investor side very lightly for a couple of years and I loved sales. I loved marketing. So I was like, huh, well, you know, what if I started a marketing agency? And at first I was selling everything to everyone, you know, oh, you need a website. Cool. Oh, you need social media help. Cool. And any industry, anything. And then after about a year of that, not really going anywhere. I then invested in consulting and they coached me to niche down. They said, you got to solve you know, one problem for one industry and even go more niche than that and solve one problem for 1% of one industry. And so I thought, all right, well, I noticed that there are a lot of top 1% real estate brokers out there that have a 20, 25 year track history in their market. They have an incredible sphere, but they really struggle with all the digital stuff. So I'm going to focus on only helping top 1% real estate brokers and talk about like niche of niche, right? I mean, that's 1% of one industry. But when I stuck my, my flag in the ground five years ago and started to then build momentum and gain a couple of early clients and learn and become a specialist and build strategic partnerships, all of a sudden I started to get results and find, did make discoveries and insights and build a reputation. And all of a sudden now, five years later, the, that was the best choice I ever made was to become a specialist. I didn't invent this. Right. <laughs> Who knew? No, but such a good point. And, spectacular. and spectacular. But it takes all of us who want to be everything in what we're doing to recognize the fact that we're so much more valuable to have a niche, to have a focus. Yes. Well, and well done. How's it going for you now? Well, things are going great. Yeah, the agency is going amazingly well. We've seen 80% growth year over year, every year. And so like almost doubled every year. And um, yeah, things are going great. And now it's interesting because other industries or opportunities fall in my lap when I'm not necessarily marketing for them, right? But that's because of the success in this one space where if I would have 
always dabbled in all these other places, I probably wouldn't have seen the success in the one industry, which then caused people to say, well, does it work for me? Rather than you having to sell them, they're, they're already seeing the success in your specialty and they say, oh, well, will, will that work for me? And they're coming to you, right? So it's, it's very different conversation. And I think it's the same in real estate. When you specialize in one thing and you've had tremendous success there, then all of a sudden you meet someone and they're like, oh, well, I have this building. Would it work for, right? Like, can you help me with that? You're and the expert. It, yeah. That, that leads me to transitioning. My second most valuable tool after specialization right. is team building. And mm. why is that? Because I can't be every specialist. So when you bring in, when you have a client that's coming to you, Jeffrey, and it's not exactly your uh, area to have a partner, an alliance, a collaboration with someone that is that specialty. Now you become doubly valuable. Okay. Mm. You've generated the business to this partner, this collaborator, which now makes it obviously um, a, a enlarged scope for you, even though you're specializing in your one area and you start to gain more activity more of a global recognition. And if you build out those different aspects of your business, with different specializations that are manned by other people, you then take over the world. Mm. Great point. Team building is so important. You have to replicate yourself in the small areas that you are not the expert in. Or even once you get to the higher levels of team building, I've, I've learned it's easy to give away the things that you don't like doing and, and aren't a genius at, but it's hard to give away the things that you're really good at, right? So you have to continue team building to the point where you can work on the business, not at the business is the common term. But it is true. The more you share, the more you delegate, the greater the volume, the bigger the pot. Yep. That's how absolutely. we feel here. That's how Love we it. absolutely feel. That was so really interesting. Nikki. Congratulations to you. 80% growth annually is really impressive. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. Year over year. And it's, it's been a, quite a journey getting there and keep it, maintaining that velocity, but uh, we're, we're trying to keep it going okay, still to this let's day. Let's turn this so. around. Give me the mic and I'll ask the questions now. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. That, so I do have a question for you about the single most important action that you take on a daily basis that has attributed most to your success? You know, is there like, like this one success habit throughout your career that you can draw a lot of your success back to? Yeah. Oh, that absolutely. Putting on the heels every day, the higher okay. the heels, the higher the respect and to look them in the eye. But seriously, if anybody's actually uh, wants to hear what I do, it is structure. It is full frontal, lean in structure before you open up your eyes every morning. Know exactly what your priorities are. Be ready to pivot and change, but know what you're going to accomplish that day. If you don't have those priorities in line, you get pulled away. A phone call here, inquiry here, go visit a property there. You really have to stay structured. And it's very tough in our business because there's such a variety of things happening around you each day. I do not mean to shut your eyes to opportunity. I certainly do not mean that to, um, as I said, pivot and uh, restructure, but have a structure. A lot of people I work with, peers of my industry, get detoured by the small stuff that happens in in the early morning and lose their focus on big stuff. Big stuff is doing whatever you need to get one step closer to the next deal. 
Could we dive in a little deeper on that? Is that okay? Mm-hmm. All right. So you mentioned jokingly at first, you know, putting your heels on in the morning, and then you mentioned structure. But I, I think the two are tied together. I think it might be tied to your morning structure. And I'm curious how you structure your mornings and, and a little bit more about what you mean by the word structure. Is this planning and having your calendar super detailed? Is this having an hour to yourself in the morning and really like getting your mental, physical, emotional state in the right place to win the day? Like what exactly do you mean so that you can focus on that bigger picture and continue moving forward? First and foremost, I think one can't close themselves up close themselves off in this plan Mm -hmm. to not have a full balance of life. All right. So something could be distracting you. It has to do with your family, your home, you know, your friends. So, you know, it can't be a lockdown structure, but in the morning, morning, it's an early, early start Four, four, fifteen. Initially I started doing that because I have to speak to my offices in, in um, Middle East, India, Asia, or Moscow. And, Every day there's a different one, and obviously on their time zone. So that would get my juices going for my global guests, and then I'd be able to get into local. But stopping mid-morning for exercise, the trainer, I have a trainer, and God bless her, because without her, I would absolutely be a basket case, I'm sure. Feeling physically healthy breeds mental health, and then hitting the ground running with your structure. For me, it's by 8 o'clock then. I've done the calls, I've done the training, I'm dressed in the heels, I'm off and running. Uh, we can't sell unless we're always available to those clients. And so many, particularly in New York, finance guys and women in particular, they can go early, they can go before seven, hardly can they break a day, take a break during the day, and sometimes after work, nothing shows well after work because of the dark. And in New York, very, very few properties permit weekend showings which is one good reason to work in New York, okay? We get our weekends in almost all cases. <laughs> 82% of our product is co-ops. And co-ops have very strict rules about when these strangers and these brokers can come into the building. Of course, if you're working on a condo or a townhouse, you have access. But um, my structure absolutely includes downtime for the weekend, getting out of town, getting out of my head, refreshing myself for Monday morning charge. So you asked specifically, what is my structure? It is having a plan the night before, coordinating with my operations manager, coordinating with each of my team members that will be participating whatever uh, transaction we're working on that day, and definitely coordinating every single day with my marketing uh, director. My mark, my mark. The only reason we're successful, truly, because we're just not any better than most people out there. Our team, I mean, we're we're hardworking, we're knowledgeable, we're we're somewhat talented. But our marketing is the secret to our success. We mm. lead with the information of what we're doing, how we're doing it, the records are breaking, and that marketing absolutely opens the doors for people coming towards us. I apologize awesome. if I wasn't as direct as the question, but perhaps my no, structure isn't as direct as I thought it was. No, that's okay. And I am glad we dove deeper because, you know, for two reasons. Number one, when you mentioned waking up at 4.15. Now that's a completely different stat compared to where most people would say waking up early. Now I talked to a broker last week and he said, when someone asks you how the market is, instead of using adjectives, use statistics. And that's why I wanted to be more specific with you 
because you know you talked about structure but then when you say wake up at 4 15 in the morning now it sets yeah exactly that sets a very real bar for all of the listeners to say whoa that's a totally different league i'm waking up at eight right (laughs) you ready for the 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 trainer at six that's why you can slide it in and not have to wait till the end of the day no that that was my second that was my second point the, the, so then the, the trainer at six, right? Having that scheduled in, taking a break from the morning and actually working out. It's such an important point that I learned at a mastermind years ago. And the concept there was that if you own a Ferrari, then that is a high maintenance vehicle, right? It can go super fast. It could drive amazing, but you're not going to put low octane fuel, leave it parked outside under a tree with sap on it right? You're going to have that in a specialty garage getting waxed, you know, every single time after it goes out, you're going to have high octane fuel in it. You're going to have it serviced often before it breaks down, right? And the concept was, are you high maintenance? And if you are, not being ashamed of that. And that was the whole concept of that talk at the mastermind is if you're a high performing, high income earning type A type of leader, chances are you're high maintenance and that's okay. You just need to lean into it, acknowledge it, and take care of your physical body, put the right things in your body with what you're eating, get exercise, right? Be at a peak state so that you can maximize every opportunity, every single meeting, bring energy, bring the best version of yourself. And that's what you said there. there. Bring the energy, bring the energy to the table, to the showing, to the negotiations, to the closing, bring the energy. And I'm a firm believer that energy is a symbol of um, confidence Mm. and authority. I was just mentoring a a young agent a few hours ago, and she said, you know, how do you, how do we handle these difficult clients? You know, there's so many of them. And I said, you handle them by leaning in and being authoritative. All right. You do not buy into their stress. You do not buy into their insecurity or their doubts. You let them know you have no doubts. You know exactly what you're doing and you're leading the ship. And as long as you can take that energy, translate it with confidence, the authoritarianism of being their advisor is accepted and followed. And I think that's really, really, really important. All of us work with all these super successful people and they're only hiring us because they need someone smarter in this area than them. So they're truly depending on your knowledge, your data and stats, your performance symbolizes the depth of that knowledge and and stats. And then you have a follower. And I really need a follower. I need my clients to be followers. I'll lead them. I'll follow their direction, lead them, and bring them to the best possible outcome. And generally, it just makes for and consummates a lifetime relationship with them. That's why I'm a portfolio advisor. These people stay with me for transaction after transaction after transaction. I love that. And you know what that made me think of is gravity and density. I learned this in sales training way back when either the prospect is influencing you on why they're saying no, or you're influencing them on why to say yes. And in that direct sales environment, they were talking more about a one call close and the analogy was gravity, like Earth's gravity compared to the moon, right? And, you know, who pulls what? The moon can still pull the tides, but Earth overall is dominant. And how do you get to the point where you have a more dominant presence, more dominant energy, more dominant uh, gravity that you can influence others around you? 
And I love how you talked about the energy being, you know, authority and, and tying into confidence. And I think that you get there by diving so deep into your market that no one else knows it better. And you know that no one else knows it better. And that gives you so much confidence to then have conversations and use data rather than opinions, which then is really pulling to that prospect. Oh, wow, I need to go to Nikki because she always knows the answer. She always has, you know, she, whenever I have a question, she always is the one who like knows the answer or will go get it really quickly. And she's the one that I rely on for that, right? And like you said, in this one area, right? In real estate in Manhattan, right? Area. So yeah, exactly. Well, Sue, thank you for that. I, I'm looking at it differently now, the gravity and the pull of it. Uh, and it's literally what we do well. Yeah. And if we're not, uh, you can fall into a unsuccessful and certainly uncontrollable client relationship. And I just think right. it's really important. If they're hiring you, you must perform and you must convince them that you mm-hmm. are performing in their best interests. What, right. And- the other thing is, too, once you have their, their confidence, you have their loyalty. And that's what you're trying for. The confidence mm. will get you to a transaction possibly. If not, you need their loyalty. So four years later, when they're back in the market, it's you they call. That's right. And on the flip side of the coin, you mentioned that agent that came to you. How do we deal with all of these anxious, uneasy, tough clients? And in that scenario, I, I would assume that this agent who came to you is a little newer and he or she is is less confident in themselves and they're still building up that confidence so that these insecurities on the prospect side are pulling them, right? They're not being that centered place uh, with a a lot of density and gravity that's pulling the prospect in towards them. They're being pulled towards the other. So that's like the flip side that you want to kind of stay away from, which comes back to- So let's take us back to the new agent, those possibly out there right now. That specialization reads you- Put you on a faster track to confidence because if you're honed in on that neighborhood, that price point or that buyer profile, you're learning literally everything you need to know to advise the next customer. If you are flushing out and separating yourself to the entire you know universe of real estate in your local community, it's really tough to talk with confidence. That's right. Our buyers in particular know so much more about what their their market than many, many brokers do. They've been looking at the websites. They've been reading about the market. They have friends in that price point or that neighborhood. And they're coming to you. And the reason they're paying you and hiring you is for you to give them the information they do not have. How can you do that when our markets are so vast unless you specialize? Yes. Or, or also to interpret the information in a way that maybe they didn't look at it that way. They had all the information, but they didn't know what to do with it. Okay. Right. And I think nowadays the real estate professional is less of a, a gate of information, which they, they used to be prior to the MLS being public and people being able to go on Zillow and Redfin and just look at all these houses. Like there was a period when you had to go to the real estate professional to get the newest listings and the market updates. But now- How I miss, those, how I miss that period. <laughs> I'm sure. And, and now 
we have to level up to be able to interpret the information that's being given to us, especially on the buy side. You know, on, on the listing side, it's it's a little different. As you mentioned, marketing it properly, pricing it properly. And that comes down to understanding your market in a different way. But when these buyers are coming to the table with so much more information than they used to, it does shift the paradigm of the broker and buyer relationship. And I've talked to a lot of podcast guests about the, the transformation between, you know, information gatekeeper as opposed to information interpreter and not to reduce the real estate profession down to something that simple, but it is this evolution of the profession, right? I'm curious to learn more about the marketing. So you mentioned that your husband owns a marketing agency, that you really pride yourself in the marketing and say that the marketing is something that separates you from a lot of other brokerages. So I would love to just dive in a little bit deeper on that. And my first question is, you know, what's the percentage of sphere and existing business that's being, you know, continuously um, either referred to you from a strategic partner or your existing sphere as opposed to new business from cold traffic, billboards, paid advertising. You know, do you know that that percentage? Certainly track that because we we not only need to know where we're getting business, we have to project on where we're going to be right. focused on, on securing business. Huge portion prior to COVID for the last six years before COVID, we were averaging around 65 to 66% of our annual business being referrals from our referral network. Okay. And that's huge. That's more than half of our business was coming from contacts in, in the world, whether they were other agents, wealth advisors, or friends, let's say, introducing us and um, making business happen. But locally, we have a pretty broad network here. A good of that 50, generally now 51% of the non-referred business, half of it is returning clients who've worked with us before, want to work with us again. Or we also, when we were looking at that data, children of clients, brother-in-laws of clients, neighbors of clients, it's a referral, but it still comes from an existing client. And the other quarter of the business or half of the local business is new. And how does that happen? We do things like this. I wrote this book. Okay, why did I write this book? It's everything you needed to know, everything you need to know about buying real estate in the United States, but it's written in Chinese. Huh. And why did I why did I do that? Because in two thousand and eight, our market stopped dead. All right, no one was buying or selling in New York, so I got on a plane. I happened to be part of a global network and started traveling around the world, following the money. Where's the money going to come? And we know historically when the market dips in New York, they're outside opportunists. So South America was a, a big get, Eastern European in particular, but mainland China is where all that cash was. But spent 2009 and 10 almost the entire time in mainland China, going from banker to banker to banker. These were the people that were controlling the uh, outboarding of a lot of cash wrote the book, published it in China by Amazon, sold 200,000 copies. People bought it and read it and called me themselves, contacted my head of my um, Asia desk or uh, had their children that were already in school in the U.S. contact me because my name was on the book. I knew how I knew about real estate in New York. If they read it and it was under my name, I must know what I'm talking about. Therein lies the gold in marketing. But we do a lot of that 
My team has their own public relations agency. We have also our, our staff marketer. And I do have a little help from my husband, who has one of the biggest marketing agencies in the country, about, about getting the word out, not only on who we are, but what we've done. I mean, we have anything record-breaking. They sold Jeff Bezos, the, the most expensive apartment in all of down in the history of downtown. That was $80 million. We blasted that with his approval. It was a good time because he was helping and, and embracing the health of New York. Um, just a couple months ago, we sold the highest priced co-op in Manhattan since 2015. That sold at $60 million. And why was that important? It heralded that New York was back. Co-ops that were dying on the vine were back. And big luxury money was embracing New York again. So benefits me, my team, Manhattan. Co-branding is, I think, the fastest track to the biggest audience and the best results. I co-brand a lot with Sotheby's. I co-brand with my specialists. I co-brand with some of the initiatives that I do, uh, some of the organizations that I'm part of. It increases your sphere of influence and recognition. And they know your name. They're in, in the market. Let's try it. I get a lot of this. I'll get a phone call. Hi, Nikki Field. And they'll say, I don't know if my property is important enough or big enough or valuable enough for you to take what may I tell you about it. And of course it is. Every piece is, is um, important to us. But it, it, people like to work with people they've heard of and referred to or, or read about. I hope that didn't sound too vain, but it's the effective use of marketing. And I truly believe that 99% of all sales is marketing. Mm. 1% Love that. talent. <laughs> yes, yes. And, you know, there's a reason why in the most luxury malls in the world, the Apple store outsells every single other business there. And how many sales agents are on the floor at the Apple store in any given day? Zero, because every single person that shows up to the Apple store has already decided that they're going to purchase it. They're ready to spend $1,500 on a phone and they'll actually wait in line. We actually don't have a specialist ready for you yet. Why don't you go get some, you know, some Fogo de Chao or something, come back in about an hour. We'll, we'll help you process that $1,500 phone order. It's brilliant. It's <laughs> right? brilliant. Yeah. And to your point, how powerful marketing can be. And you have invested in, a lot into the brand awareness level of marketing, which is takes longer and is more difficult to do. But if you commit to it, it pays so, so high, such high dividends. There's brand awareness and there's direct response. And, you know, part of what my agency really specializes in is direct response. And, and so I'm very intimately familiar with all this. We could go down this like two hour conversation about it, but I, I have a question about specifically your referral systems and what systems you have in place to generate more referrals. Because you mentioned a lot about the brand awareness, the book, and, and you went down that road of, of explaining how powerful the marketing is and how the effect it's had on the marketplace to get these inbound calls to you years later. But you also started that entire conversation with saying 60 to 65% uh, you know, last year was referral. From your referral partners. So what systems do you have in place to increase the amount of referrals you receive? My favorite topic, I call it the power and glory of referrals. 
it, it, I mean, people that come into our industry just don't understand how much more opportunity there is. They're thinking, again, regionally, um, who they know, the environment, the neighborhood they're in, what they can or cannot sell. Uh, these relationships are exceedingly important. I spend a tremendous amount of time going to industry events, meeting people. I always meet the owners and the managers and every office and every nook and cranny of the world that I can, establish relationships with them, and I ask them to send me bullets or properties that, that they feel might be attractive to New York buyers. Something that I mentioned earlier and may be helpful to others is this portfolio advisement. Here's my secret. Okay? I've collected a lot of investors in particular. So many people invest in, in New York that may not be living here, but Secure some uh, cash here. Also know about the significant um, exit uh, profits made on a regular historical basis. So when I work with these investors in particular, I ask them to give me a list of their entire residential portfolio. And real estate buyers have a lot of product, all right? That, that is the new globalization, obviously, of the industry that we work in. I, most of these investors have it in their hometown, where they work now, their vacation resort homes, their great opportunities for um, investment return and usage homes. So many of the people I've worked with can have a portfolio of 12 residential investments. So here we are. I'll give you one example. Michael in Munich, he's, he's bought 11 properties with me in New York, but he also owns, I found out, 18 residential investments around the world. Uh, so I said, Michael, refer to them a few times. I want a list. This is my first guy. This happened in 2014. I want a list of everything you own and where it is. Why, Nikki? I said, because I'm going to watch it. I have people there. I have a network there. He said, well, and he was right. He said, I have really great advisors and professionals where my homes are. I'm fine. You, you cover New York for me. I said, yeah, I'm sure you do. I said, but I've also got some really great insights, uh, relationships. So Michael did give me the list of his entire portfolio. And, you know, it was really interesting to find out where he bought and how well he had done. And what I did with every single one of those pieces of portfolios, I called that city, the top agent, and I gave them a warm referral. Here's the address. Keep an eye on it. I just want to know what's happening in that market. What's happening across the street, in the building, in your market. A couple of bullets or talking points that are new. Send them to me. I will let our guy who owns it know what's going on. Should we interest him in a transaction, you get the referral. So on a regular basis, I get fed topical information on a market. This guy, Michael, owns something in Monaco. I was really impressed because it's in the best city. And I was really impressed. So, Mike, how'd you get that? And he said, I've had it a while. I'm dying in that. I don't care what's happening in Monaco. I love this place. I obviously contacted our guy who owns Monaco and um, in all of France. And I said, keep an eye on this property. He called me four months later after I gave him a warm referral. He said, you know your guy in that building? You think he'd have any interest in the penthouse? I said, how much? And he said, $34 million. I'll find out. Michael, you know you're building a Monaco. <laughs> I'm not selling it. I'm staying there forever. And I said, Michael, what about moving three floors up? Because a long pause. Okay, all the way from you. <laughs> the penthouse? Said, yeah, Michael. I said, how much? I told him. You know what Michael said? Get it. 
Michael was not in the market. Michael was not moving. Michael was not buying in Monaco. Michael secured that $34 million penthouse that was not on the market, but it was a quiet offering was presented to me. My warm referral then sold the other one three floors down. I got a referral on that as well. That's the power and glory of referrals. Make relationships like that for wherever your, your clients own, and then you control that information. And ultimately, now what Michael does, every time he wants to buy anywhere or sell anywhere, who does he call? Me. Who should I work with in Sao Paulo? I'm going to buy in San Francisco. What do I need to know? Who should I work with? It's a wonderfully um, valuable way to earn your clients' respect, loyalty, as as well as benevolent thanks. Wow. Nikki, that was... I took real estate as a local business and expanded the scope and I think expanded the minds of my listeners. It's the power of the global community and business where we live in today. And that's where we're going. That is the future of real estate, globalization. Open up your eyes. I know through COVID, everyone knows they're moving. Their clients are moving or coming or transacting because they're getting second or third homes. Keep your eye on their collection. Make just like for your financial advisor. You don't want to have different financial advisors for each of your investments. You have one guy who steers the ship, who has a global a, a macro vision on where you are, where you need to be, and when you should be moving. You can do that in real estate for your clients. Wow. Amazing. So is there a question that I should have asked you or anything that you'd like to expand upon from earlier? Oh, your questions are great. I, I found your answers more interesting than mine. Um, I, um, no, I, I, there's not much more about me. I think you've seen it all. Well, you have tremendously added value. So I want to make sure there wasn't anything that I, I was skipping over or missing. I, oh, I really yeah. appreciate oh, your time. I do have one. Go I ahead. do have one. I'm sorry. I even made a note of it. Where is it? I have three new, um, uh, three very focused initiatives I'm working on. One, obviously, is helping others become specialists. I truly believe in that. They don't have to be on my team. Young people starting out in this field, I'm really t- helping them find what they're Current specialty is obviously they're going to be having many specializations. Sure. I believe in an, um, something that I've been working on for a little while. It's called our our campaign is called She Sells for all you women uh, out there. It's really about the power of women mentoring each other in this career. How we have come late to the party. So many of you men understand and are practicing mentorship since you were little boys. And your coach was there for you, for you in your first teams. Uh, helping other women in this industry will only help you in return. If you're not, a, you've been in this business for more than three years, you should be a mentor. Uh, and if you're not, become one. And certainly be a, 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 find some mentees. Find people that you can help. It just needs a little leg up, a little bit of support. Um, the, the sorority, the sisterhood of real estate, is very, very strong. So many of us uh, are operating in this universe. Uh, it's one of those careers that women truly excel in. There's no glass ceiling for age or sex here. I mean, to build on that with the sisterhood, I think is really valuable, never forgetting the power and the influence that our male counterparts have. We need them for many of our deals. 
The third um, initiative I'm working right on, and if you're out there, I don't care if you've been in this industry for one month or, or 10 years, start thinking of a succession plan. Uh, so many professionals, great professionals, talented legends in our industry have retired or passed on and left their book of business up for grabs. People that have been working with for decades now do not have a realtor and go struggling to find someone. If you have a succession plan and someone to work with now, someone that can be introduced to all of your clients. So when you do transition out, whether it's during COVID, illness, or just plain fruits of retirement, to keep the succession, have the succession plan in place, it'll continue your income for the rest of your life and possibly your grandchildren's life. Nailed it. That was an amazing last tip about the succession plan as well. It's so rare to see that today, the level of planning. And I feel like it only happens if a, you know, a a father, for example, has a son that's also in the business and he kind of hands it off to the son. But if that's not your scenario, right, if you don't have an immediate family member that's younger than you in your your business, you're a broker owner that's getting towards the end of your career, you want to have that plan in place, be able to transition out and still take a small percentage of those, of those fees. Before them life, in early right? so your clients know this person. Okay. Absolutely. Yes. Fold them in. It's obviously uh, uh, a great opportunity for, for this secondary younger uh, agent, but also your clients, your uh, entire network is familiar with that person. And it's a really easy transition. I love the fact that when I'm away, no one knows I'm away. I can take time off. I never, you'll never see a return email saying I'm out of the office. I'm on board even when I'm not because there are people that they have been introduced to when my clients call that they know if they should return the call or the email they're just as comfortable with. And therein lies the line to succession. Love it. Amazing. Nikki Field, everyone, how can listeners contact you? Well, Jeffrey, since you've given me all of this exposure, they first and foremost should go through you. Uh, but but as I mentioned, I am in the 70s. I am in New York. If you're visiting New York and would like to connect for a few minutes, come and visit me. Uh, I'd love always, always looking for more relationships in our business and, and look forward to hearing about uh, many of your own successes. And uh, oh, the other thing that I'm really comfortable and confident that we all should focus on, maybe that's another podcast for you, Jeffrey, is crashing and burning all the mistakes you've made, how you've survived them, and how they have bettered not only you, but your ability to transact business. I am only as successful as all of those awful mistakes I've made. I love that. I did have a question there about this, but we ran out of time, so I'll have to have you back. It was really a lot of fun. I'm now your devoted fan. I'll be tuning in regularly, Jeff. Oh, thank you, Nikki. I appreciate it. Nikki Field, everyone the global specialist residing in New York and has an amazing team out there. Make sure to contact Nikki if you have referrals, if you're interested in joining her team. And of course, I can get you in touch, but you can also look her up online and get in touch. So thank you so much for being on. You added a ton of value today. Really enjoyed it. Thanks so much. You also, in return, gave me a couple of tips I'm going to be definitely working on. Thank you. Thank you for listening. If you want to accomplish your real estate goals, then I highly suggest downloading my free Ultimate Real Estate Goal Setting Framework. The link is in the description of the show 
and it will help you break down your annual income goal into the amount of phone calls, appointments, or open houses you need in order to achieve that goal. Thank you so much, and we'll see you next time. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.